Higgins in the shotgun, three receiver set. Now Blake Wayne in motion in the backfield. He'll fake the handoff and the pitch to Wayne. Higgins looking deep down the middle. He's got him in. It's Wetzel complete at the 45-40. He's now down to the 30. Still on his feet. He jukes a couple of defenders. Still on his feet, 20. And finally wrapped up down at the 15-yard line. And there's the big play the Rams have been waiting for all afternoon. Higgins takes and will give this to Coots. He's got a ton of room. 10, 15, 20s out on the far sideline. 40s outrun the safety. 40, 30. Nobody in front of him, 10-5, touchdown. 93 yards, Fordham has taken the lead 6-3 with six minutes to go in the first quarter. The fans here at Jack Coffey make some noise. Out of the shotgun, two receiver set. Scott, he's going straight ahead and he's going to be stopped. He's going to be stopped short of the goal line. Mike Martin in there on the tackle. The Rams make the defensive stop that they need. And with 1.43 to play in the fourth quarter, the Rams have a 38 to 31 lead and they get the ball back. Wetzel will hold, Sullivan will be the long snapper. It's a 55 yard attempt on fourth and 10 from the 38. Snap back, ball down, it is up, it is good. 55 yards, 14-6 Cincinnati, a school record and a Patriot League record. And Patrick Murray from the parking lot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Monday Night Quarterback. This is the Monday Night Quarterback Midterm Report Card Edition as we get you up to date on everything Fordham football. The Rams were off this past weekend, but if you think that means that we don't have anything to talk about, you are mistaken. I am Alex Smith, and joining me today are Mike Watts and DJ Sixsmith. How are you guys doing today? Doing All phenomenal. All good. Oh, we're going to recap the season to this point. We'll look ahead to the Rams' final four games, and we'll also give out our team MVPs to this point. But all that will come later. First things first, let's welcome in Fordham head coach Joe Moorhead. Coach, always a pleasure, and thanks for coming in. Great to be back. Well, it's good to have you back because, you know, we missed you with, with the bye week, and I'm curious, Coach, what's your take on having a week off? Do you like it because it lets the team rest, or, or does it possibly take away momentum that you have? I think at this point in the season, it was it was the right time for us to have a bye week. You know, coming off of a bunch of hard fought games to start the season, and a particularly physical game against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, our guys needed a break. You know, both mentally and physically, it allowed us to regroup and kind of evaluate the things that we were doing offensively, defensively, and special teams wise. Uh, do a little bit of recruiting, and then get a jump start on Holy Cross. So, you know, all in all, I think we had a good a good design for the week in order to utilize it to to, to recover and to get ahead. And coach, specifically with your bye week, how did you handle it? How many days off the guys have, and when did you really get back to business? We came in on Sunday uh, and had a team meeting, and then they got treatment. So basically, that was all we did Sunday. They had Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off. And as a staff, we um, we met in the morning and uh, analyzed and, and broke down the uh, Holy Cross tape. And then we went out in the afternoons and you know got on the road recruiting. Uh, we practiced Thursday and Friday, uh, gave the guys off Saturday, and then uh, practiced yesterday. So during the bye week, you scout Holy Cross to look ahead, but how much do you scout your own team and maybe tendencies that you can pick up when you watch film of your own games in the in the first few weeks? You know, a, a majority of things we did from a self-scout um, perspective, we're looking at the numbers in terms of what are you doing on particular down and distances, you know, first and 10, uh, you know, what's your run-pass ratio, and then what is it, you know, within each personnel grouping and formation, you know, what are you doing on third down, what are you doing in the red zone? So kind of analyzing those things to make sure there's not a – you're not developing a tendency that the, that the opposition can pick up on and, you know, doing that for both sides of the ball and special teams. And then obviously taking a look at your personnel, you know, see how guys have, have uh, 
you know, performed up until this point in the season and just checking to make sure that we're getting the right guys in the right positions to uh, to be successful. Now, Coach, we're using this bye week to, as you said, look back and, and look at the guys and look at this team. A 4-3 and three record at this point. In your opinion, have there been any moments or any games this year that have stood out to you for any reason to this point? You know, looking back, um, you know, they've all had their their, their moments. You know, there, there are parts of each game that, that have been uh, – you know, noteworthy, you know, just, you know, just going through each game. It was great to, in the lock haven game to come out, night game at home, you know, opener, um, you know, and, and to win in a resounding, you know, fashion that we did, I thought was, you know, great for the program and, and uh, you know, just laying the foundation for what we wanted to do in the season. You know, all of our wins, you know, Colgate, or I'm sorry, um, Cornell, you know, facing an unbelievable quarterback like Jeff Matthews in our defense, you know, finding a way to keep him out of the end zone and scoring points. Uh, you know, Columbia obviously went for the Liberty Cup and then, the, you know, the goal line stand and, uh, against Georgetown and the, the way the offense moved the ball. And then, you know, obviously the things in the Villanova game and the Lehigh game, which are not so good because, you know, we didn't win, but there were positives out of that. And then just the entire Cincinnati experience, you know, that was and, and to come out and be able to compete with those guys for, for a, a good portion of the game. So you know, that's kind of how it's gone so far. So, Coach, you're seven games into your first season as a head coach. What has been the most challenging part so far? Uh, you know, the most challenging part really is is the the weekly preparation in order that it takes to win a football game, and just consistently harping on the guys that how we practice during the week will determine how we're going to play on game day, and just consistently doing that and being able to do it week after week after week, and you know, matter no matter what you did the week before, to come out with a, a fresh start and a fresh perspective, and you know, it's a challenge, but it's a good challenge. When you took the job, obviously you have expectations, but. Which expectations maybe have been met and which expectations really need to be worked on maybe later this year or going down the road into future years? I think once the year ends, we'll be able to, go, be able to you know, take a step back and look at the, at the full picture and, and see the things. Have we met the goals that we um, you know, set out for the team you know, during the season? Because right now we, we've met some of them, and there, there's still, quite frankly, plenty that we're capable of achieving if we handle our business through the, through the last you know, four games of the season. So, I mean, from from a player perspective, the kids' work ethic, um, you know, their attitude, their attention to detail and how they fought and, you know, played hard for four quarters of all of our games has been something that's been very exciting. Uh, you know, the, the negatives is, you know, not finishing games that we've had an opportunity to finish against very, very good opponents. And, uh, you know, the, the turnovers and the penalties are things that, you know, they, they've gotten better, you know, since since we've been harping on them, harping on them. You know, they've, they've gotten better the past few weeks, but those are things that, you know, we're troublesome early on, and but I think we're cleaning up as we as we move forward. Coach, looking at your roster, a lot of seniors on this team, especially in the skill positions, when you talk about Ryan Higgins and, and Carlton Coons, Mike Martin on the defensive side, um, how how much of a role have, have they played in leadership on this team, and how big has that been for this team to this point? I think the senior leadership on the team has been tremendous, and you look at it through the through the guys that they voted for captains. You know, those guys in the obvious leadership positions, but there's a lot of other guys that that aren't captains that, that play. Uh, significant roles in the team success and you know not only guys who play a lot but guys you know just to mention like the Avedesians the guys that are seniors and, and give us an unbelievable look on scout team and do a great job during the week so you know it's we, uh, a term we use is know your role do your job so although a lot of people's you know jobs on the team don't necessarily show up in the box score they're equally important to our success so the senior class has done an unbelievable job and you know a lot of the credit you know goes to those guys and their leadership. And one of those seniors who's been doing his job, Ryan Higgins. Coach, from when you first met him to now, how impressed have you been with his overall improvement? Very impressed. And I think, uh, you know, Coach Browner's done an excellent job with him. And I think the, um, 
you know, the biggest thing that you see with Ryan is that he had that senior year urgency, you know, where, where he knew what he wanted. He wanted to win the job, and he was going to do whatever it took to win it. And, um, you know, he exemplified those characteristics throughout spring ball and fall camp. And, you know, once he won the job, he wasn't going to take a backseat to anybody. And, and he's really come out and, and performed very well and has been able to, to minimize the things that we kind of harped on about him that, you know, don't make a bad play worse and, you know, a throwaway or, or a, you know, a sack is better than a, than a turnover. So he's been able to, as the season's gone on, you know, minimize the negative plays while still creating explosive plays. So I've been very happy with how Ryan's progressed. Ryan's progressed well, but I, I think the receiving core has played extremely well this year. And there seems to be a mix of, of players and talents in that receiving core. And when you came here, did you really see that kind of talent and maybe expect them to play as well as they have? I think I think it became apparent during spring ball, you know, that when you looked at the the entire core as a group, you know, you had guys like Greg Wilson, you know, Lorenzo Smith has been injured, but you have two guys at the slot, Sam Ajala and, and Brian Wetzel, who are, who are, you know, both very capable players and have been productive, you know. And then, um, you know, moving Nick Talbert from tight end to X, I think was a, a great a great um, move for his career and for our offense because that's kind of what we look for for the boundary receiver position. And then you got some some guys that fill in behind them that do a good job. But and then you include the tight end with that, you know, you know as we went through spring ball, we took a look at those guys from a, from not just a skill position or not just a you know first line perspective, but an entire receiving core perspective, and thought that you know they could do big things for us. Now another player that I really wanted to talk about is Patrick Murray because we we heard in the intro the fifty five yarder that he hit against Cincinnati. He's been terrific all season long uh, as a head coach and calling the offensive plays. Um, is is there kind of a balance between you know having a, a good place kicker who can hit from a long distance, um, but again, again at the same time that kind of takes away from the offense not scoring. So how do you how do you kind of weigh how good Patrick Murray has been for this team this year? His contribution to this team is immeasurable. I mean, I think you know I I don't. I mean, if there's a better you know try threat kicker in the country, I, I'd like to see. I mean, there the guy, isn't. The, there the, isn't. The guy kicks off. The guy punts. He kicks field goals, and you know he does them all at the same level, which is uh. You know, at an all-American level, and um, you know, the thing that we talk about in the red zone is we want to score touchdowns in the red zone. But having that, uh, you know, assurance in your mind that if you don't get the touchdown, mm-hmm. that you're, you've for the most part been guaranteed three points once you cross the the 35-yard line. <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty good feeling to have as a play caller. That you you know, sometimes when you don't have a kicker and things aren't going well, you you feel that extra added pressure as a play caller to need the <laughs> touchdown, and sometimes you force things that aren't necessary. But uh, you, when you, you have him and you know that you're going to get the three, it, it makes it a lot easier to call a game. So, Coach, a lot of highs this year, but one of the biggest blows was losing quarterback Michael Niebrick against Cornell. So first, how difficult was that to deal with when it happened, and how have you guys adjusted over the past few weeks with Adam offensively? You know, it was difficult in the sense that I think we had a pretty good rhythm and flow going, and, and with Ryan and Michael, they both kind of brought different skill sets to the table. You know, with Ryan as your more traditional drop-back guy who can run when needed, as opposed to Michael, who can do both equally well, and I think we saw that in the uh, you know the Villanova game where I believe he was over 100 yards rushing mm-hmm. against yep. one of the top defenses in the country. So uh, it hurt because I think it took some of the things away from our offense that, that that the running quarterback brings. But you know, as we say, you know, next man in. So when when Michael got hurt, it's unfortunate, but you know he's going to you know work hard to to get back, and I'm sure he will. But you know, the other guys have picked up the slack, and we just have had to. You know, with with our offense being as diverse as it is, we've just had to pick up the slack in other areas. Well, and you talk about picking up the slack. And when Michael Niebrick went down, a lot of the carries that he took went to Carlton Kuntz, who has had a great season. He's over 800 yards rushing. He's on pace to go well over 1,000. 
when you moved him from receiver back to running back, what expectations did you have for him, especially when he didn't really have a lot of collegiate carries when you moved him? You know, the expectation level for Carlton was very high, as it will be for any running back who plays in our offense, because you know, the cornerstone of our offense is going to be able to run is to be is to run the ball successfully. And once you're able, you're able to do that, it's you know you open up your three-step game and your play-action game because it creates a lot of you know single coverage or you know brings numbers down to the box. But uh, you know I had remembered Carlton from high school and seeing him on on tape, and you know for what we were going to do offensively, he seemed like a natural fit. And then you know, as just like with the receiving core, going through spring ball, and you could see as as he was learning the system and getting the opportunity to create explosive plays. You know, as an offensive staff, we say hey, this guy he got a chance to to do some special things this year, and it, and obviously. You know, the offensive line plays a huge, huge part in that. No, I want to switch it up and talk about the defense because, you know, obviously I think your linebackers have played extremely well this season. When you talk about guys like Mike Martin and Austin Hancock, they've been flying all over the field. But the front four has been playing very well, too, overall as a unit. And I don't want to exclude the secondary either. They've, they've played very well as well. As a defensive unit, how, how pleased have you been with your defense? I've been very pleased. You know, we've gone with an aggressive attacking mentality. And, um, you know, I think... For the most part, we've pressured the passer. You know, we, we've we've been able to uh, get off the field on third down. I think that's something we've been done a really good job at. And uh, you know, and we've made key stops at key times. You know, in, in the Cornell game, we gave up some yards, but we held them out of the end zone. Uh, in the Georgetown game, we gave up some yardage, and uh, you know, made the goal line stand when necessary, and really stepped up big in the Columbia game where the offense didn't really have it rolling in the second half. So, uh, I think um, you know the defense has done an excellent job. Uh, and made some key stops at points where they really needed to, and you know it's been spearheaded by that front seven. And coach, another moment where your defense really stepped up was against Cincinnati. You gave up only 14 points in that first half. So, just really, what was that whole experience like for you, and how important was it for the team to go on the road and play a nationally ranked FBS school? It, it was very good, and uh, the entire experience was good. You know, for the guys to be able to get on charter flight and hop on a bus and have a police escort to the stadium. That you know, the, the whole experience of traveling uh, like it's an FBS game was great and uh you know to be able to go against a, an opponent of Cincinnati's caliber you know the guys preparation week was excellent and you know when you get on a field and playing against a team of that level you know there's very little margin for error so the guys had very sharp focus and they understood it when they made a mistake it had the the potential to be a, a colossal mistake so uh you know they they did a really good job and uh you know obviously the result wasn't what we wanted but I think the experience of going against a team of that caliber will benefit us for the remaining part of our schedule and dj talks about how in the first half a really good defensive effort and i felt that a guy who really spearheads the whole defensive effort is ian williams who i always think about the columbia game where he ran a guy down from behind and then intercepted a pass a couple plays later but what does ian williams add to your defensive schemes and, and what does he add that maybe a cornerback a, a normal cornerback couldn't you know it's just like you, you know mike martin we talked about Patrick Murray. I mean, that's just kind of kind of season Mike Martin's having. I mean, the guy's all over the field. He makes a ton of plays, and, and he really forces an offense to know where he's at at all times and, and account for him. And when you have a corner like Ian, you know, with the amount of man coverage that we play, it's almost like you're you're going into a game of ten on ten because the guy you put him on is is not going to be in a factor in the game. He's going to be able to cover him, and you allow the other guys to to kind of play. So when you have that assurance that. You know, the guys he's covering is not going to catch the ball, and he's able to make some plays and run support. You know, it, it makes it difficult for an offense to game plan around that. All right, Coach, this will be our last question for you, then we'll let you get out of here. But we want to look ahead now to the matchup with Holy Cross. They're 1-6. They average 16 points per game. What's the focus of your team in practice this week uh, heading into that game? You know, the focus is, 
I'm sure you guys get sick of hearing this, but you know the focus is going to be on our on our preparation mentally and physically. And this week we've talked about enthusiasm, effort, and execution. You know, and those are the three things that we want to get out of this week. You know, attack the field with great enthusiasm. You know, give great effort on every play, and execute. And um, you know, Holy Cross runs a spread offense. You know, Elder is coming off an injury and has had a great past. Was it two or three games where he's been back? Mastretta um, is a gr- an excellent receiver. Houghton runs tough, so they present the problems at any spread offense. You know, does where they're going to try to get get create one on one matchups in space, and that's what they do a good job there. You know, the defense has given up some some big yardage games, um, but they've also had some games where they've shut the opposition down. I believe Dartmouth and Bucknell are a couple games where they've. They, so, you know, we've just got to you got to worry about us. We got to worry about Fordham. You got to worry. You know, make sure that we're on top of it with our with our preparation. We go out and play a hard game. We execute well, and we finish. So, um, you know, our our, our Approach has been the same as it's been, you know, the first seven weeks. Fordham head coach Joe Moorhead, thank you for joining us on Monday Night Quarterback, and best of luck this weekend. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Coach. Well, now it is time for our Monday Night Quarterback midterm report card. I'm Alex Smith alongside DJ Sixsmith and Mike Watts. Guys, the Rams are 4-3, and three, tough losses to Cincinnati, Lehigh, and Villanova. But we've seen a lot of impressive things so far this season. I know that I have. Uh, what, what has been the most impressive thing, you know, in your guys' opinion to this point? Yeah, I'll start it off, sure. All right, I mean, go for my, it, TJ. We, we'll let you go. All right, thanks, guys. I mean, you just can't say enough about the defense. I, I have to say Mike Martin's performance this year, it's been incredible. I mean, obviously what he did last year, but 65 tackles, seven tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, team best. I mean, this guy is the Ray Lewis of Fordham's defense. He gets it done in every single way. And the best part is he's only 5'11", 210 pounds. I mean, this is you know, cornerback height, safety height. I mean, what he's done with his body, I mean, it's just been incredible. Well, and think about what this team was just one year ago. This team won one game, and largely it's the same Same team. team. It's a lot of upperclassmen. Granted, there's some people coming back from injury, but, I mean, a team like this isn't expected to leap and pick up three wins in their – sorry, four wins, three more than they did all last season in the first seven games. So, while the defense has been good, I look at the – Ryan, the progression of Ryan Higgins and how he didn't turn the ball over for a few straight weeks. And I see this offense really grow in front of our eyes. It's really impressive to see the schemes and the players fit into it. Mike, you went exactly where I was about to go. The most impressive thing to me at this point is how well the system that has been put in place matches up with the players. Oh, I agree. And, you know, there's always a thing, should the players match the system? Should the system match the players? Well, the players were already in place. Joe Moorhead and his coaching staff, they come in here, and this spread offense that they have going out of the shotgun every play, you know, four and five receiver looks, it's been unbelievable. When you think about this, the skill players on the offensive side of the ball, um, and, of course, the big names, you know, Koontz and Talbert, but think about guys like Sam Ajala and Greg Wilson, who has four touchdowns this year. Yep. The system just fits these guys perfectly. They spread the ball around. It doesn't seem like – or it seems to me like on – on every single Saturday, somebody else could go for 150 receiving yards or, you know, have the big game. To me, that's been the most impressive part this far. Well, and I, I talked with players before the season. They said this system is unlike anything you've ever seen in college football. The Jets, the the motion that we see, the use of the running back on the shovel pass against Cincinnati, the way that the, the progressions work for Ryan Higgins in a way that it opens up the field more for him the way they use Nick Talbert the way they use Dan Light is a wing is a tight end it, it's it's impressive to see 
how creative they've been this year with the tools that they've that they've had. And it just goes to show, guys, the job that Coach Moorhead has done this year. I mean, it's been incredible. Same guys, but just changing him. Nick Talbert, he goes from tight end to wide receiver. Carlton Coons, playing a lot of wide receiver last year, goes to running back. Ryan Higgins, didn't start the season last year, becomes the starting quarterback. All the pieces were here. It's just how you use them. And Coach Moorhead and his staff have used them to their fullest potential. And that's why this team is 4-3. and three. Really could be even better. I mean, besides the Cincinnati game, that Villanova game that could have won, a tough second half. Lehigh goes down in the last second. You know, some questionable late game management. But this is a very good team. In the second half, going forward, the next four games, they have a great shot to win all four of them. Yeah, and really when I look back at the schedule and I look at the first seven games, I look at that Villanova game, and to me that was really the only game where the Rams just, I, that was the game where they just weren't on. I mean, besides that game, almost every single game, um, and I wasn't at the Cincinnati game, I know you, you two were both there, but almost every single game, including that Lehigh game, they were clicking offensively, and DJ, you know, like you said, that they couldn't, they couldn't pull that victory out. I really, I wish that they would have, because Lehigh is what, number six They're or seven number in the country seven now? They're now in the country, yeah. That was an unbelievable game. They were up 14 to nothing in that game. Um, you know, they were right in it at the end. It wasn't just a good half of football. It was a good game of football. Um, so easily they could be, you know, one loss, have a one-loss team right now. Um, that's been really impressive to me. Um, but one guy that I actually feel bad for is Patrick Murray. <laughs> and the reason that I say I feel bad for him is because I think at a point we just expect greatness from him. And when he does it, we're just like, oh, well, he's supposed to do that. You know, 55 did, yards. Oh, right. how yeah. expected. But, but then he misses the 46 yard, and, you're, and you go, wait, why did he just miss that? <laughs> how you, dare you, you miss a 53 yard field yeah, goal? Exactly. He, he must have tried to hit it with the other foot. He was trying to add difficulty to it or it's something. Like, yes, right? ladies and gentlemen, he is human. Yes. He can miss from time to time. Because Patrick Murray was probably the best player on the team last year. And granted, they were a one win team last year, they weren't a very good team. This year, the Rams are a good football team. You can ask a lot of people around here, they're a good team, they're the real deal. Patrick Murray may still be the best player on this team on a team that has guys like Carlton Kuntz and his 800-some rushing yards. Well, and Coach mentioned it earlier, and he said this is a weapon where you don't need to force it at the 35-yard line to get into field goal range. You don't need to feel forced to try and get a touchdown. How many kickers have we seen where they're 3 of 7 or 5 of 9 kicking field goals? And here's Patrick Murray, a guy who hits 80%, and he's hit, I think, 4 over 50 yards. And if you remember, I think it was the Lehigh game where you guys had him in the next day on Monday Night Quarterback or the next week. And he felt so terrible about messing up one or two kicks. And this is a guy who is the best kicker in the country. And and to me, the the amount that he cared about the program that that next day, the way he took credit for, for maybe not helping the team win that day, despite, I think, making other kicks, Told me a lot about Patrick Murray, and, and I agree. He still, I think, is the best weapon on the team. Well, he knows how hard it was to get where he was. I mean, think about where he was last year. He, he was, was benched. He was benched for Mike Miranda, a freshman kicker. Murray went one of four. And during the offseason, he really dedicated himself. And, guys, you've seen the difference. I mean, it's been incredible. From one year, he looks like, you know, middle of the line, a mediocre kicker. And then suddenly puts in a little extra time, and now he's the best in the nation. I mean, you can just understand why he felt so guilty after all the hard work and after all the struggle he went through in 2011. I wonder how many FBS kickers are are on the same level as Patrick Murray because, honestly, I'm not sure if there are many. There are many guys who can go out and kick 55-yarders in Cincinnati uh, on the road. That's a tough environment to play on. And you never know. I think he he has a shot to be playing on Sundays next year. The thing with him is, would he be a punter or a kicker? Because, honestly, I don't know... 
could you could you use him as both? When's the last time we saw somebody do both of those things in the NFL? True. <laughs> and, and and look, the thing about Patrick Murray is that was Nippert Stadium record. 55 yards. I mean, that's impressive. Go. I mean, yep. they get Big East opponents. They get Big Ten opponents through there for decades, and only one other person had a 55-yarder on that turf. And if that doesn't tell you that he is a quality not only FCS kicker, but maybe even an FBS kicker and possibly an NFL high-level kicker, I, I think that's the maybe the most impressive part to me, setting all these records. But and then to top it all off, you you talk to him in studio, and he's just a great kid, down to earth, yeah. nice kid. That's the best part of it. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's get to our favorite moments so far this year. Uh, Mike, why don't you go first? <laughs> favorite moment so far this season? Uh, yeah, and I know we've got we've got this queued up, but I I I'm not sure. Maybe you guys can tell me that I mess up this call or not. So a two-point conversion try here for Ryan Higgins from the two. He runs far right, and this is going to work. Halter behind the line makes the catch at the five. He goes to the end zone. He is in. Mason Halter, the left tackle, went back five yards to the ten, caught the backwards lateral from Ryan Higgins, and ran it in. Now, here's my question. Did you have the Mike Watts crystal ball sitting in front of you? Because that play was still ongoing. But you knew it was going to work. Yes, and <laughs> first off, I did. And Insider it's actually knowledge. A, yes, it's a magic eight ball. Uh, Coach actually took a whiteboard in his office and and drew this out for me. And he said, "All right, two point conversion. Just so you know, this is what we're running." He gave another play to us that they ran in uh, a previous game where I think it was Georgetown, Georgetown where they set up the night. tight end at right guard. And he told me about that one, too. And he's like, just so you know, these are our trick plays, just so you don't botch the call. And I'm so excited that they're running this play that I botched the call and say, oh, my gosh, it's going to work. Well, plus, it's your boy Mason Halter. I That's mean, true. The pride of St. Ignatius. Yes. Right there. So all the more special. And plus, we saw that play in practice a few weeks back. And we turn to ourselves and we say, if, they, if we ever see that in a game, uh-huh. we're, we're just going to go crazy. And lo and behold. That was Mike's call of the year. Well, I wasn't at that game, but I want to ask you guys about it because I saw the video highlight of sure. that play. And Mason Halter has the ball. He's got one defender in front of him and one blocker. And you said that it was good that he was going to get in. But it almost looked like he didn't know which way to run. He, he, has, to to dive. he has to dive for the goal line. He finally gets in. DJ, you were on the sideline for that game. Were the other players, you know, ripping into yeah, him for Lloyd that play? Lloyd Morrison, the starting left guard, was really tearing into him because Lloyd – you know, big 300-pound guy, gets out there, pulls, beautiful block, but then Halter goes the wrong way and nearly doesn't get into the end zone. So Morrison, he kept saying, come on, man, you got to use my block. Come on, come on. And Mason's like, I'm sorry, I did all I could. Yeah, well, and I watched that highlight on ESPN later, which is probably where you saw the video of it at least. And it's funny because the guy goes, and that's the big tight end, number 84, Dan Light. And you see Halter walking into the end zone. He's kind of strutting in because this is his moment. He hasn't caught a touchdown since junior varsity ball in a B game against Menor High School. I shouldn't know that, but I've been doing research for this for years. But I, it's like this was his big moment, and then he struts into the end zone, and he didn't even go the right way. And well, the best part I, is then it was reviewed. Yes, he it wasn't was. even sure if he was in, so he was well, probably tense it, for a couple of minutes. Right, there. it wasn't even that; it was whether or not it was a backwards lateral. Right, um, and and actually, Coach Moorhead told the officials ahead of time to know that they were going to run a backwards lateral like that so they didn't call an illegal receiver catching a forward pass. So if that's a backwards lateral, is that a rushing conversion? Is that a rushing? I guess so. It is actually rushing because he's in in the uh, running stats here. 
Well, no, that's because he, he picked, picked up, up a fumble, fumble too. And, right. and, and, and ran, ran about five yards. or six yards yes. with it. So he's he's been all over the he's place. He's the jack of all trades. <laughs> Absolutely. DJ Sixsmith, your favorite moment to this point. Well, it was, again, Mike and I were together. It was yeah. for the Liberty Cup. Came all the way down to the wire. And it looked like this game was going to overtime. But a very important call came just before the Three end receiver game. set for Brackett. He has Garrett on his right. Brackett drops back. He's looking under pressure, almost brought down. Now he runs forward with it across the 30, throws it right end zone. It is caught. Touchdown. It is caught near end zone. Indeed, it is a touchdown. Marcoris Garrett, but there is a flag down in the backfield. Could it be a hold? Is or, it, or is it, it possible that Brackett ran over the line when he threw that ball? It was dangerously close. All right, crystal ball, man. <laughs> I, I stole it from you. You uh-huh. realize that, right? Uh-huh. DJ yeah. saw it the whole way. It was yes, a crazy play, though, because Brackett's running with it. It looks like he's over the line. Then he throws it for the touchdown. Columbia th- thinks they're right back in this game, and then all of a sudden you see the flag, and that was my first instinct because he was so close, and it looked like he was about two or three yards over. But Fordham's defense, I mean, they played well all game long, and then it comes down to that play. Nearly go to overtime, but Coach Blackwell and the squad survive And what was a crazy game, Mike. That that was an absolutely insane game, and the, we were on the home crowd side, and I just remember the chorus of boos. You you, you would almost think it was a replacement official <laughs> that was in the center of this massive windstorm of controversy, and it was the right call. I mean, the, we 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 look back at where the marker was, and it, it was about a yard or two ahead of it, but. I mean, that was an absolutely insane ending to a game that Fordham really, I think, gained a ton of momentum from. And plus, that was the second questionable call of the game. Of course, you remember Mike Martin strips the oh, ball of out of the hands of one of Columbia's players, and it was it was very interesting whether or not he was down or not, but that was another big play, Columbia driving inside the 20 and Fordham able to get the ball. Best part is that Martin takes the ball, starts running with it right. to sell it to the officials, and that just goes to show the player that Mike Martin has been. And that was payback because was it the Villanova game, the scoop and score yep. that was yes, not was. called, that was called back as a either incomplete pass or he was down on the play. So there, there you go, payback. There it is. Sorry, Columbia. Now, my favorite moment from this season came from the Georgetown game. It was, I think it was 38-31 Fordham at this point. Um, It's first and goal. The Hoyas have the ball at the Fordham 2, and the Rams stop them on first down. They stop them on second down, stop them again on third down, and then it's fourth and goal, and ho-hum, Mike Martin is there to save the day. The fans here at Jack Coffee make some noise. Out of the shotgun, two-receiver set. Scott, he's going straight ahead, and he's going to be stopped. He's going to be stopped short of the goal line. Mike Martin in there on the tackle. The Rams make the defensive stop that they need. And with 1.43 to play in the fourth quarter, the Rams have a 38-31 to lead, and they get the ball back. Well, you guys can hear it in my voice because I normally don't get that excited, although maybe I do. I don't think that I do. I was really I was hyped up for that it play. It was a huge moment. And I it think was. rightfully so. And, I mean, you know, this defense all season long, it's been the bend but not break mentality. Do they give up some points? Yeah, they give up points here or there. But have they come up with big plays when they needed to? Yeah, I think so. And that was, for me, that Case was the point. best moment of, the, of this season, I think. Well, it was crazy because they get down to the one-yard line, Georgetown. First and goal from the one, you think, all right, this game is about to be tied. But like you said, they, they bend but they don't break. And they came up so huge in that moment. And Georgetown tried to run it four straight times, four plays in a which row. I found – just incredible because their passing had been working in that game. Makari was their big receiver. Obviously, they had their third-string quarterback in the game, but 
you're at the one-yard line. Have a little creativity, won't you? But it ended up working for Fordham. Four straight plays. You just can't say enough about the job they did in the goal line. Well, and how many times do you see a team actually stop another team four straight times? This isn't the Eagles we're talking about where they can't run short distances. (laughs) Yes, this is a real team on the ground. No. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. No, I mean, Fordham, I think this is one of those highlight reel moment of the year kind of moments. And I think the excitement showed because who you wouldn't have a pulse if you weren't excited at that. That was just it was a really memorable play for me. Um, And I think as this season goes on, we don't we don't know what's going to happen yet. But could be a turning point of the season because that's a close game. It's a Patriot League game. Well, not really a Patriot League game, but nothing is a Patriot League opponent. Uh, Let's get to our let's. Let's look get to our MVPs to this point. Who's been the most valuable player on this Fordham team to this point? DJ Sixsmith, you go first. I'm going to go Mike Martin. I mean, we've talked about him all show long, and there's a reason. I mean, he's the leader of this defense, and quite frankly, he's probably one of the top leaders of this team, too. Without Mike Martin, Fordham's not 4-3, and three, that's for sure. And this defense is not as good as it has been. Mike Martin's a big reason why Fordham only gave up 14 points to Cincinnati in the first half of that game two weeks ago. And without Mike Martin, this team looks a whole lot different. So I just can't say enough about him. And, you know, the other guys will get recognition, whether it's Murray or Kuntz or Higgins, because they're making the plays and scoring the touchdowns. But it's been Martin who's made some of the biggest plays all year long. Yeah, and I like Mike Martin, but I, I like Ian Williams too. But you mentioned a guy who who's really come a long way in his senior year. And I'm actually going to go to the quarterback position because nothing else works on offense if you don't have a guy that can distribute the football. And if you look at his receivers this year, Wetzel's got 32 catches. Wilson's got 23. Talbert, who was a tight end last year and missed a game this year, he has 27 catches. Dan Light has 18. Everyone's getting involved. And then that opens up the ground game for Carlton Koontz. He's got a lot of room to run. And, And the offensive line has been good, but... When you look at Ryan Higgins, he gets the ball away quickly. He's effective. He has been this year. The turnovers you have to take. But I've been really impressed with how he's gone from being a easiest starter to the no-doubt leader and starter on this offense at the quarterback position. I agree with everything you said, and I can't take anything away from that. For me, this is pretty tough to pick one person who's been the most valuable player to this Rams team. And I honestly think that right now the Rams have three players who could be the Patriot Player of the Year at this point right now. Patrick Murray is one of them. He's been the National Place Kicker of the Week twice, I believe. Patriot uh, Patriot League Special Teams Player of the Week a few times as well. Um, Mike Martin, all over the place on defense, DJ, like you said. But my guy is Carlton Kuntz. I think he's been the best player in the Patriot League. Whenever we talk to uh, you know, Joe Moorhead or whatever, whenever we get to talk to the opposing team's head coaches, they're game-planning around Carlton Coons. We want to stop him first. We'll deal with everything else second. And despite the fact that these teams are game-planning to stop him, he's still getting 100 yards in almost every single game. I think he's one of the most versatile players in the league. Uh, 800 and, uh, 812, I believe, rushing yards from this season. He catches the ball. He has a receiving touchdown. Um, he's one of the fastest players I think I've ever seen. He has been unreal for this team this year. And I think that, you know, with him going back to running back, we weren't exactly sure exactly what to expect out of him, but he's been terrific. And he's only five foot eight too, which makes it all the more impressive. I mean, this is a very slight guy. And to put up the numbers he has, it's just been ridiculous. I mean, Mike, we talked about it. There was a streak going, had three or four games of over 100 yards. And then against Georgetown, just short. 99. 99 right? yards, yep. But Carlton Kuntz, this offense is circulated around him. I mean, Mike, that Columbia game we did, 
Fordham was not looking good. They had fumbled on the opening kickoff, a bad snap from Watkins. All of a sudden, the Lions are leading, and then Kuntz runs for 90-plus yards and scores. And that changed the outcourse of that game, and that's why Fordham kept the Liberty Cup. So without Carlton Kuntz, this team is certainly a lot different also. Yeah, and if memory serves, Kuntz actually scored an 18-yard touchdown on a on a route off to the left-hand sideline as a receiver. He. He was so good catching shovel passes against Cincinnati and keeping the pressure off Ryan Higgins as much as he could by giving him those short outlets where he has the surest hands of any running back I've ever seen, in part because he had to play a wide receiver. But if you look at his entire body of work, and I think he's only not being a kick returner because there are so many capable guys that can do it, and Brian Wetzel is such a good punt returner that you don't need him there. But when you look at his entire body of work on offense – if you're in my mind, if you aren't going to give it to Ryan Higgins, who's the signal caller, the obvious next choice, maybe I I think they're pretty much neck and neck. It's got to be Carlton Coons. I agree. All right, guys. Well, we were seven games into the year. We still have four more games to go. So let's look ahead at the Rams schedule. Holy Cross this week, and then at Bucknell, and the last two games are at home. I think that could really help the Rams coming home for the last two games. They could be big games. How do you see the rest of these four games playing out for this Rams team? DJ, go ahead. Well, I think the first two games, Holy Cross and Bucknell, both winnable. Holy Cross, only one win this year that came against Bucknell. And the Bison, they've only beat Marist, who Columbia beat and Fordham beat. So the next two games are going to be very interesting because Fordham should win these games, guys. But they've had some trouble over the past few years on the road. So I'm still going to say they win those next two games. And then I'll say they beat Colgate but lose to Lafayette. So they go 3-1 and one over the next four. I could see them winning all four, but... Maybe somewhere along the way they drop one. I just think this team right now is in the right place. The bye week's going to help them get healthy, and they should be just fine for these tests on the road. Yeah, and I spoke with Carlton Coons earlier this week, and he said no senior on this team, really no one on this team, understands what it's like to pretty much control your own destiny. If you win all four games, you put yourself in a good position to make an at-large berth because when you think about it, Fordham's lost to the number 7 team in FCS, the number 24 team in FCS, and the number 21 team in FBS. I mean, that's as good a, a losing slate as you can get. I mean, if you're going to get losses, two of which you probably should have won anyways yep. if it hadn't been for difficult second halves, honestly, that gives them a very good look when it comes to people looking for an at-large bid. I do think they go 3-1 and one or 4-0. and oh. I, I really do believe that. I think they win these two games on the road, and I know that's a lot to ask. And I know they've had a tough time on the road, but look at who they played on the road. That's a big part of it. But I think they either go 3-1 and one and 4-0, and oh, and I, I agree with DJ. The, the spot where they could slip up, in my mind, is, is either Lafayette and Colgate. And to me, I think Colgate's actually the team to be careful of. Now, when I look at these last four games, first of all, the thing that pops out is that we're talking about this team winning seven games this year. Incredible. That's pretty unbelievable. They won one game last one. year. The turnaround. And, I, and again, we're... We're just forecasting here, nothing set in stone. But already to win four games, seven games, four out of seven, that's pretty impressive for a team that had one win last year. And it was a team that hadn't won a Patriot League game since 2010. And plus their non-conference record, over 500 for the first time in three or four years. That's huge. That just says, look at the job that Coach Moorhead has done. Same guys, completely turns it around. Three more wins already. It really is unbelievable. And let's, let's just say that they win the last four. Imagine the momentum that they have. They're seven and three. That prop, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the other records are right now. But that's that gives them very good odds of making 
eight and three. Uh, excuse me, if they win these last four, they go eight and three, uh, and that gives them a pretty good record. They could possibly, as you said, make an at-large berth. Here. And I looked last year at the bracket; there were three eight and three teams that made the the postseason as at-large bids. So it's not completely unheard of for an eight and three team to make it. And their resumes are probably a little bit worse than Forums in terms in terms of the losses. I mean, like you said, those are three good losses to have. But in my opinion, this is this is make or break time. It's these next two weeks. I know Lafayette and Colgate. I know those are probably the tougher opponents, but they're at home. One of those games is Parents Weekend. The the other game is is Senior Day. Uh, I think the fan turnout will be really great for those last two games. This Holy Cross game and this Bucknell game. You know, I think they only have one win apiece. Both those teams, but on the road, it's going to be tough environments to play in. These this is what it comes down to. If they win these two games, I think they they win the last two. So, you know, it's it, it'll be an interesting way to, you know, an interesting f- next four games for this Rams team. Um, we, we didn't I don't think anybody thought that they would be this good this season, but we'll have to see. It'll be exciting. That'll be that's the obvious part. It'll be exciting no matter what. Yeah. And, and you look back to last year, if it hadn't been for injuries, if it hadn't been for maybe people towards the end of the season, maybe I don't want to say losing faith or not giving 100 percent effort, because I think they, they probably did give 100 percent effort. And it seemed like they cared, but it seemed like they also knew that the season was over. I think the writing was on the wall, and I don't think they had a lot to put all that effort into outside of the actual game. So I, I agree. I mean, the fact that we're talking about a playoff spot for a team that was 1-10 last year, real deal. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that'll just about wrap things up for us here. That will do it for Monday Night Quarterback's midterm report card. We would like to thank Coach Joe Moorhead for taking the time to join us in his weekly spot. Next week on Monday Night Quarterback, we will look back at the Holy Cross game. That's a rivalry game. That's the Ram Crusader Cup. And we'll look ahead to the matchup at Bucknell. We'll have our X's and O's segment with one of the coaches, and we will go inside the huddle with some of the players. Until then, for DJ Sixsmith, Mike Watts, and producer-engineer Julian Atienza, I am Alex Smith. Enjoy your week, everybody. Monday Night Quarterback is a production of WFUV Sports.